Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 53 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled The Church of Pergamos, Part 4. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Well, we welcome you this morning, those that are online and those that are here in class this morning, prophetic class. So glad you're here and that the Holy Spirit has led you here. That's uh, something that we want to start considering and to, for it to be more uh, in our focus of daily life. And that is that the Holy Spirit led us here. The Holy Spirit led us here. To be that in touch with the Holy Spirit is a big thing. As we'll see today in this teaching, I'll hopefully finish up uh, Pergama and get into Thyatira. Would love to get through it, possibly. Uh, but what we want to consider, Rick, your paper's right there in my satchel. What we want to consider is the Holy Spirit. We will be looking at uh, in Thyatira how the Apostle Paul kind of touched with it. Uh, but we want to understand that John wrote this letter about 60 years after the Holy Spirit was given, Acts 2. 60 years later, you've got Paul, the apostle uh, John writing about the seven churches. <clears throat> when Paul intersected with someone from Thyatira, <clears throat> which was be in Acts 16, was about uh, 30 years after the Holy Spirit had been given. So you got the Holy Spirit, the outpouring, and about 30 years later, Apostle Paul's uh, intermingling with someone from Thyatira. Then we see in 90 or 30 more years, uh, John writes uh, these seven letters to these seven churches. So we see a period of from 30 to 60 years. Uh, up until then, the Holy Spirit had not been poured out to mankind like it, uh, like then before the cross of Christ. But what we want to understand is this day we're living in and the revival spirit that's here, it's a revival spirit between mankind and the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. What you're seeing at Asbury, you say, well, Alan, I thought that people were encountering Christ. Well, they are, but they're encountering the Holy, the Spirit of Christ. So as we look at what's happening here, as, 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 Jesus, as Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is to us. You get that? As Jesus walked with the disciples, instructed them, so the Holy Spirit is to us. And the Holy Spirit's a person. Jesus is a person. We talk about the, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Does all of a sudden a mystical something fall on you? Possibly. <clears throat> the reality of it is 
is that you are in a close relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. To have a baptism means that you are immersed, if you will, or you've been in, you've been touched, you've been covered by this person, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to us as Christ was to the twelve. So we like to say, well, Christ, boy, I wish I could have walked with the disciples. Well, the truth is we all are just like them. <clears throat> now, not everybody knew Jesus, even though he walked on the earth. Some even missed the visitation. So it is with us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here, but you can miss the visitation. I know that a lot of people say, well, Alan, I believe there's a second baptism. Some people says, no, there's not but one baptism. My question is, have you checked with the Holy Spirit? That's my question, because I didn't know we were here dictating how many times he can touch us. Maybe there's 12. I so you can see if there's one or ten or a hundred, how the enemy would love for us to get hung up on a number instead of a person. I've had people ask me if I, well, Alan, you don't speak in tongues, so I don't think you've had the baptism. I said, well, the only one thing's for sure, I don't have that one. But I got this funny feeling I don't know. I mean, the Lord knows my heart. I long for it if I don't have it. But I think I've made, I think I've had a type of a baptism of the Spirit. But I don't think that the Holy Spirit, the person, has issued to me the gift of tongues. So therefore, I am. So therefore, I am relied upon you that do. I am not complete in myself. And if you think you're complete because you speak in tongues, you need to see me after service. <laughs> there again, we get all of these ideas of, of marks. If you've had a baptism of the Spirit or whatever, we've, we, re, we use all of this terminology. And what it's about is can you talk with the Holy Spirit and can the Holy Spirit talk with you and you hear Him? That's what it's about. And, and the reason is, he is the one that leads you into all truth, and it's not your reasoning. It's just not your reasoning. So we find the great, the hardest thing for us to do is to go brain dead and follow the Holy Spirit. <laughs> hardest thing for us to do. Especially if we get a little scripture in our mind. And then we think we're smart. and We can predict how many times the Holy Spirit wants to baptize us or we get into all of this stuff. My point is, that's not the issue. The issue is the Holy Spirit, the person. Can you hear His voice and can you allow Him to lead you in your daily life? That's the, that's the question. So as Jesus was to the twelve, the Holy Spirit is to us. And you know what? I so trust the Holy Spirit, I can trust the Holy Spirit in you. So what do we see happening? Do I want all of the fullness of the Spirit for us all? The answer is yes, I do. For myself and you included. But what we're seeing happening in a phenomena that's happening on the earth today 
I just saw there was some beach in Brazil somewhere. There was over a thousand worshiping God. It just started. Some people went there and started worshiping God. And it ended up over a thousand. It just had the beach covered. People worshiping God. Is that not incredible? Is that not wonderful? Just absolutely wonderful. I've seen other places. I've seen half, half a dozen places where the spontaneity of the Spirit. See, what's happening? You say, well, Alan, what happened at Asbury? What's happening at these places? People are in touch. Call it getting a baptism, if you will. They're getting in touch with the Holy Spirit. Because when you get in touch with the Holy Spirit, how do I know that you're being touched or baptized in the Spirit? It's not tongues. It's not if you can heal somebody. It's if you worship God. A true baptism of the Spirit causes you to worship God. A religious spirit will say this, well, I know what you need and where you're falling short. That's a religious spirit, just so you'll know. There's nothing wrong with wanting things for people. We want us all to have the fullness of the Holy Ghost, right? Ever what that is, and I'm going to let the Holy Ghost define it. Is that okay? So let the Holy Ghost define it. Because at Asbury, nobody's defining it. And I'm hearing a lot of critics saying what they're not. Right? But I'm not seeing it. You, there again, you've got to be able to engage with the Holy Ghost. That's, that's the deal. So as we come here together, and we'll worship and study the Word if I'll hush and get on with it. As we come together... And the Holy Spirit is among us. The question is, do we trust the Holy Spirit in each other? That's the greatest place of trust. Especially if you have an open mic where people can talk, people can speak. And uh, I mean, I can feel people just draw up and I can feel others saying, come on, let's go get it. You know? <laughs> Let the dogs out. <laughs> you, know? you got you got this tension between between let me in let me let you in on a little secret. Both of them's in me too. I'm just seventy years old and I've quenched the spirit before and I didn't like it. So if I error, it'll be error the error will be made and maybe going a little too far. But in times past I found out that a little too far is sometimes normal to the Holy Ghost. So we'll just be uncomfortable in our flesh and pray that to God that we can walk with His Spirit. Amen. Now, why in the world did I just do all that? I have no idea. Okay. <clears throat> now, we're talking about the second coming of Christ. It's five minutes till 10, so I can tell I'm not going to get to where I wanted to this morning. As my mother said, Alan, your introductions are too long. Uh, now, I'm, I'm looking at this right quickly. I'm going to finish up, uh, if, if you will, on Pergamum, which we, we pretty much saturated Pergamum about Baal worship. And I've just got a, a, a few slides about that. Uh, uh, Baal was the god of worship in many ancient Middle Eastern communities, especially among uh, the Canaanites who apparently considered him a fertility deity and most important gods in the uh, pantheon. Now, here, here's the deal. As you're looking at the seven churches, 
and all of these gods with a little g. Here's, here's the idea. When we come in here, we say that we want to have an experience and we want to walk in the Spirit. What walking in the Spirit means, you're walking in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The, and, and the Holy Spirit's a person. It's not a mist. Okay? It's not a mystic mist. The Holy Spirit's a person. you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So it's a person. So you're walking, into, walking in the Spirit means you're walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what it means. It didn't say that you were walking in a place of perfection. A lot of people think, well, I've got to be more perfect so I can walk with the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to get cleaned up to take a shower. Does that need an interpretation? Don't get cleaned up to take a shower. You don't get cleaned up to come to Christ. You come to Christ to get cleaned up. That's what the walking in the Spirit's about. It's about getting cleaned up. We come to Christ just like we are. We worship God just like we are. But when we walk in the Spirit, you will be walking and getting cleaned up. But yet we demand perfection of people. And that quenches the Spirit. Don't demand perfection. We come to Christ to get cleaned up. It's the process of walking in the Spirit. You don't get cleaned up and walk in the Spirit as most think. You walk in the Spirit by having a relationship with the Holy Ghost as dirty as you are, and as you're walking with Him in a relationship, He'll bring things to your attention you might could do better. And then we repent and do better. So, Lord, I don't know why I said that either. I'm saying a lot of things this morning that I know not of. Okay, I guess. So, so we did with Baal. We did the Baal thing. <laughs> I'm so disinterested in Baal this morning for some reason. Uh, it's where Satan's seat is. We did that, Satan's seat. You remember that, where Antipasus was uh, martyred. He was put in the belly of this bronze bull. It was on the altar of Zeus. You remember that? We did it last week. I'm not going to redo it. But according to Christian tradition, John the Apostle ordained Antipas as a bishop of Pergamum during the reign of the Roman Emperor Nero. So you can see there a depiction of that. And that is a painting uh, of him. The bull appears on the altar of Zeus. Now I want us to see things. He says here at the end of this one, a Pergamus. I hope you can tell I'm done with Pergamos and I'm ready to go into Thyatira. Uh, we can see here, he says, I have a few things against thee because you're holding to this doctrine of Balaam. Now, it's important to understand this doctrine of Balaam and these false gods with a little g. Now, why did people in Israel did it? You remember uh, with Jezebel and her famous husband that, that Israel... Well, matter of fact, Israel already had pagan gods uh, before they came into power. They just emphasized, uh, and it's amazing to me. Now, 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 understand pagan god. You understand what's going on here in these churches when he talks about Baal and the pagan gods. Here's what's happening. It's in human nature to come to God to get something. It's in our human nature. 
Number one, we want to get something. We want to, we want to receive heaven so we don't go to hell. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm glad that one's in the, in the contract. But what happens is we come to God. So it just so happens we tend to have this mentality that I'm going to come to God so I can get something out of it. Understanding that that is still an emotion of the soul and the fallen nature of man. If you're in a marriage for what you can get out of it, you're going to have a hard marriage. That's a good place to say amen. A true relationship, a true relationship, to be truly in love means no expectation. To be truly in love means you're there to serve the other. That's what it means. That's what it means. So for us to follow God and be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's with no expectation. If I never speak in tongues, if I never heal, if I never have any explosion or expression of the Holy Spirit of God, it's okay with me. Or it should be okay with me. Because if I'm seeking just His attributes, that's not a loving relationship. If you're in a loving relationship with God the Father and His Spirit, He'll give you a gift or something as it pleases Him. It might not be to your benefit to have one or any. I don't know. You say, how can you have the Holy Ghost in you and not have a gift? Well, I'll say to you, how can you have the Holy Ghost in you and not have all of them? Right? So the Holy Ghost is the one that manifests Himself through us. It's not you. It's the Holy Ghost. It's like at Asbury. There's not a formula for that. You can't say, let's do it. And there's not one. God chooses to meet His people. Now, I dare say none of us would have picked a Methodist college for an outpouring. Right? With all that's going on in the Methodist's day, would you have picked them? I'd have picked somebody a little more like us. I can't tell if you love me or hate me. I think you're saying, are you being sarcastic or are you making a point? I will say this. The light seems to be the brightest in the darkest of, of places. That's the, the reason the light's greater in the darkest places of your heart. God wants to shine a light on our dark places. The light's already where the light is on in your life. The light wants to come to the dark places of your heart. That's what's called be having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, this church has been settled down the world. I, uh, I've done that. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. Now, I want you to see this. It says, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. They would have to have been in these temples to eat these sacrifices. They would also have to be worshiping in these temples to commit fornication. As we get into Thyatira, I'm going to point out a little more to you about that statement right there. Some of these believers were trying to escape the pressures around them, thus denying the name of Christ. 
Sometimes pressures just get so hard, and this is what happened to this church, that they were actually considering and going over into Baal worship. You can say, well, I'd never do that. You maybe are now and don't realize it. That's right. Now, let's watch this. Jesus compares them to the followers of Baal. You're kidding me. Some of the church were trying to live in both worlds. The problem was not that the church was in Pergamum, but that Pergamum was in the church. Now, that's, that is, that's, the, that's the danger we all walk in. Now, hear me here. To have the ability to operate in projection... Projection is witchcraft. What is projection? That is, I'm projecting uh, who I am into your life. In other words, I'm going around here knowing and thinking I know everything you need to do and be doing and repent of. In other words, all of a sudden, I've got this spirit of discernment, I call it, which is really a spirit of suspicion, which the demons call it. And so all of a sudden, we get into this spiritual, non-spiritual black ops of trying to, to, uh, to paganize and demonize the people of God. Uh, I never will forget, I'm sure you've all heard this story about Einstein. He was teaching a class and he said 10 plus 1 is 11, wrote it on the board. I'm sure you've, a lot of you heard this. If you hadn't, I'll tell you anyway. 10 plus 1 is 11. He put it on the board. Uh, 10 plus 11 is 21. 10 plus 21 is 31. He went all the way at the top till he got to, four, to 91. And he put 92. And then he went to 101. And the class started laughing at Einstein when he wrote 92. And he stopped and turned around and said, why are you laughing? They said, well, you got that one wrong. He said, why is it you can see the one time I did it wrong, but you didn't say how well I did with the nine that I got right? His point was human nature. Human nature is always going to point out the things that are wrong. Even if it's one out of ten. It's not hard to see the things we do wrong. It takes no discernment. It just takes suspicion at best. But it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to see the nine things that a person does right and encourage them in those nine things. Can you hear what I'm saying? I'm just telling you the truth. You say, well, Alan, what's wrong is what counts. Well, what's right counts too. I'm just showing you how the human nature operates and how the Holy Spirit operates, right? Now, let's watch this as I move on. Now, you got in this church, you tended to have just one or two people that were in leadership. But here we got, when you had the... Plural, I can do that, ality, thank you, of leadership. And Ephesians 4, you all know the scripture well. Uh, 4.12 says, It gave some apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ. So here we see 
the scriptural New Testament style of leadership. This is, this is, and if it, it gives us the idea that if we operate under this style of leadership, that we have a shot at perfecting the saints for the working of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Are, are you with me? In this church, we have an, uh, a book that Trevor put together, wrote. Is it who's in charge here or who's in charge? I've seen it both ways. I think it's here. Uh, I think in the beginning it was who's in charge or, well, maybe in one of the drafts. But uh, who's in charge here? It's a copy of it and the four you're out there pick you up. It's a free copy. This is how this church is governed. And we're under the idea that's what we're doing. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. That's the idea that we're trying to pull off here. That's the reason, as, as I've said before, we don't have one superstar. We don't, we don't have, whether it's in worship or preaching or teaching or what, what we're going after is this, this five-fold ministry, it's called. And for those, there's, uh, those that's been uh, identified to walk in these positions, and that's what we embrace here. And the one that we want to be on center stage is, is Christ, is Jesus. We understand somebody has to stand up here and there. We understand those things. You've got to have organization a little bit. But our goal is that Jesus is the one, uh, is the reason we're here, right? And uh, so if you would pick you up a copy of that. It's, uh, there again, I think they're in the foyer. I saw some last week. Uh, get them all. If there's not any more, just let us know uh, if there are. Who's in charge here uh, is the last uh, printing. It's been printed quite a few times. And that's uh, putting together, Trevor's maybe going to have to update it now with more of the outpourings of the Spirit, but uh, that's what we're going by here at this church. So if you want to know how we're governed, how we operate, just get you a copy of that book back there. And you'll understand. He says here in verse 15, uh, So thou hast uh, also them that hold to the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. We see here it had become a doctrine. The doctrine of Balaam in verse 14 was a teaching of corruption by tempting the people to marry women of Moab, uh, which would defile their separation. That was uh, uh, the marriage or the, the mixture. Uh, point is, uh, it is a union of the world and the church. Pergamos had lost this character and was dwelling where Satan's throne was in the world. Prophetically, this is the period from the rise of Constantine in 320 AD to the rise of the papacy in the 6th century. He goes on to say, Repent or else I will come quickly and fight against them with a sword of my mouth. He says in verse 16, and what he was saying is the word of God is coming and will expose the era of their union. Now, we have a promise here in each one of these churches. This is the uh, promise here to Pergamos. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man uh, knoweth, saving that he received it. Now, let's watch this. If you stand fast against the union with the world and the love of the religious power, you will be given hidden manna. So, what he's saying is it's a place of standing fast. Now, as we get into the other church, 
Thyatira, we're going to see there's two groups of people in the church of Thyatira. Uh, those that partook of false gods and those that did not, as it was basically in each church, but it is emphasized in the next church. The manna and the new name are secret things. Uh, Jesus said in chapter 6, John, I am the bread uh, sent down from heaven. He is that hidden manna. So you can say, oh, well, that sounds cute. That sounds good. Jesus is hidden manna. And then go on to the next thing. That's a prophetic spiritual term. Jesus is the hidden manna. That thing is like 10,000 miles deep. I don't care if it's six inches long. It's deep. What does it mean to partake of this hidden manna of Jesus? Each individual believer only gets it as you walk with the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking for one of the greatest revelations to, I think, to hit the church in this time is people think they know what it means to walk in the Spirit or be baptized in the Spirit. And I think you maybe got 2% of it. I think there's a revelation coming of this relationship with the Holy Spirit. If all, if all there is to the Holy Spirit is what we've experienced, there, well, that's, if that's it, that's it. But I don't believe it. I believe that there's deep things, the hidden manna that he's talking about uh, in this uh, baptism of the Spirit. I have had food that you know not of, which is John 4, 32. And we'll get into a little more of this. Um, the promise, I will give him a white stone, which is in the, that same verse, now, white stones were used among the Romans to mark a special favor. So he says here, and the, the angel said to the church, he's going to give you a white stone. Okay. Right. In that day, a white stone uh, was a mark of favor if you, got a, if you were given a white stone. A secret name upon the stone is a sign of a specific person who has a special favor. So he's going to write a secret name on a white stone, and you're going to get it. Now, here's the point. Unless you've got a, until you get the revelation of this in your personal life, you ain't got it yet. You're not getting it. There's a revelation right there, a secret name upon the stone. You say, well, Alan, what is it? You got to go get it yourself. You got to get it's, it's a personal thing. If I get it and give it to you, you ain't got it. It's like that boy gave the testimony. He went to Asbury. He said he didn't feel nothing. So he went down and sat down to open his Bible. And he got down to the ten virgins. The Holy Spirit said, that's you. You're one, of the, you're one of the five virgins that doesn't have any oil in your lamp, and you're wanting to get some from those that do. And the Holy Spirit said to this young man, you got to go get your own oil. That's right. Now listen, that's the way it is with God. You can come in here and people can be worshiping God. You can go to Asbury and people are worshiping God, and you don't feel a thing. You can't steal somebody else's oil. You got to get your own cotton picking oil. Now you think, well, I want to come in and be around Trevor and Steve. I want to sit close to them so I can get some of their oil. You can't get it. Won't work that way. You got to get your own. It's a personal walk. It's a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, there's more revelation of this personal relationship with the Holy Spirit's coming to us. I'm just telling you, you got to realize the question before you can get it answered. I'm just trying to give you a good question, spiritual question. 
We cannot say with certainty with what the, the stone represents, but we can be sure the recipient enjoys approval from Jesus and the fellowship with him. And ancient Greek stones were sometimes used in jury cases to indicate a vote with a black used for guilt and a white for innocence. I kind of like that one. Uh, this is kind of a, a stone thing there, there in Pergamos, uh, and here's what's written on it. This white stone at Pergamum with names inscribed reminds of Jesus' words and the angel of the church of Pergamus write, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written. Somebody see that? Three things is here, which no man knoweth saving he that receive it. Somebody says, I got to get it myself. You see the end of that? What does it say? No man knoweth saving he that receives it. You got to go get your own cotton pick and white stone with your own hidden name. The only thing I gave you was the question for you to find the answer to. And I'd love it if you, about 30 of you come in here next week, give me all this piece of paper that the Holy Spirit showed you your hidden name. And he gave you the revelation because you got to get it yourself. Now, that's important as we move forward. Uh, I know thy works, and that the wild dwellest, even where Satan's seed is, that you hold fast my name, and has not denied my faith, uh, even as Antipathus, my faithful martyr, who was slain. And here we say, the question is, where is Satan's seat today? That's what this church was known for, is where Satan's seat is. We know that the thing was torn down, and now it's in Germany, the symbol of it. But does Satan's seat, where is it? Do you not think that it's trying to reside all over this earth, all over this planet, even in our own hearts? The question is, where is that? Now, let's look quite quickly to the message of Thyatira. I want us to see here in the seven churches, this is the fourth church, Thyatira, and it's talking about the age of the papal supremacy from 500 to 1500 AD. This is a mixture that I want us to be able to see. I quickly, hopefully, want to get into just a few slides here. Uh, Karishar is the modern name of the ancient city, Thyatira. In early uh, Christian times, Thyatira was a home to an influential Christian church. This letter to Thyatira is the longest of the letter of the seven churches. This is the church that in the middle of the it's in the middle of the seven churches. The emphasis of this letter is to the followers that have decided to follow uh, this false prophet Jezebel. Now, this is a huge, huge, huge problem. I want us to see it. There's Thyatira. You see down at the bottom left, Ephesus, Smyrna, 40 miles, Smyrna, Pergama, uh, 60 miles, uh, Pergama, Thyatira, about 40 miles. So we're in the fourth church. Then we go down to Sarvis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Uh, now, Thyatira actually was the smallest city, 25 uh, 30,000 people. It sounds like a lot of people to me. Thyatira was uh, very blue-collar. Now, let's watch this as we get into it quickly. They were, Thyatira was more of a blue-collar city. Uh, it was a hard-working uh, city uh, full of labor guilds. Now, you can say, okay, labor guilds. What, what is, if it was, that's what the whole city basically was, was labor guilds. It was craftsmen. I just threw this in there for our uh, thought. An association of craftsmen or merchants often having considerable power. So a guild is a group of people with the same craft or 
or it could be musician guild or it could be uh, leather guild or it, in other words it, it would be organizations of people uh, doing different crafts that was what Thyatira was known for it was known as a blue collar city not like Ephesus and some of them where the king himself put up a great shrine uh, here you had uh, a few shrines, but they were more to lesser pagan gods, uh, if you will, more reachable to common man. All right? Now, you got to understand this God thing. You can say, well, they just worship false gods. Well, they were really worshiping a type of a god with a little g, but it was a true spiritual entity. Now, here's the problem. When you worship what we call a false god or a god with a little g, when you come to Christ, when we are in here today, our hope is that we will encounter more of the Holy Spirit of God. So that means if I'm walking in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's with me, and the Holy Spirit's walking with me, that means I can be influenced by the person of the Holy Spirit. I can be given a word. I can be given a, it says, give a testimony. These different things come from the Holy Spirit. It's that influence. Well, when people followed false gods, they had a spirit too. And the people were wanting the influence of the false god. Are, are you with me? That's the reason you can go to some things and get really excited. I can name a few, but I won't. And we go in and we feel the electricity. Oh, this is incredible. Feel the electricity of the thing. But what you're actually experiencing is an encounter with a false god. You're welcome. Didn't cost you anything. Isn't that amazing? There was found a list of registered guilds in Thyatira, and it's one of the longest lists ever uncovered in antiquity. It's, they, they found some of these lists in Thyatira. It was just, they were like, they don't have nothing but conventions around here. And they did. They had great, huge conventions of these different people in these different crafts, just like we have today. People from all over Asia would come there, Asia Minor, they would come there to be part of these conventions. And these conventions had shrines of false gods. Now, these were shrines, more of a pagan uh, entity. The guilds in the city included leather workers, woodworkers, weavers, bakers, tailors. Uh, dyers, candle makers, cobblers, potters, bronze smiths, blacksmiths, slave merchants, dyers of purple cloth and stone cutters for a city the size of Thyatira. That list is very long and the jobs, hardworking people. Now look here. Now we see the guilds, which is Association of Craftsmen. Now here we see bronze smith. You see that? One of the leading guilds of Thyatira was an extensive network of bronze smiths. That's where they would make a lot of the, well, they made a lot of money there because of the bronze smiths. Uh, it was a lot of coins were made there. But also you had uh, a lot of, uh, uh, for gladiators and for, for warriors, they made a lot of headgear and things uh, out of bronze. Now, Acts 16 describes Lydia, you remember that story, as follows, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, one who worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened to listen to the things which are spoken of by Paul. So you remember Paul speaking to Lydia? Well, she came out of Thyatira. 
And that was one of the, uh, but she was in Philippi when she ran into Paul. So you say, well, why, what was the deal? Well, in Philippi, Paul and Silas uh, stayed with a woman named Lydia from Thyatira, who continued to help them even after they were jailed and released. You say, jailed and released? What's that story? Well, that is another story. Here we see in Acts 16, 12, the part of the beginning of the story. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside where a prayer was uh, made, uh, and we sat down, spake unto the, to the women, resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Here's the deal. Paul walked down there. They were by the river. They were in Philippi. They heard some women over there praying. He went over there. These women were praying. Lydia was a Gentile, but they were praying unto the God of Abraham and Isaac. And so they, he heard that. So Paul went over there and gave him the, the message of, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And his, it was the, his gospel was the his death was the forgiveness of all sin. And he gave that to her. They were converted to the, to the gospel, even though they were already followers. And so then you can see something else happened here. Now, that goes to, through verse uh, 15. Uh, now, so did something happen between verses 15 and 40? And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted one, uh, comforted them and departed. So there's something happened. Paul saw these ladies. Lydia invited them to stay with her in her household. Well, how could she do that? I mean, you got to understand for Lydia to be in Philippi selling a, a material of purple, she had to be pretty well off. And it was, she came from Thyatira. Evidently, she was promoting and the spokesperson for this color purple material. And so she was in Philippi selling this material, and she had a house big enough for Paul and his associates. She was pretty well off, is, is, is the point. So, and, and the color purple was what, was the, is what royalty wore. And, and, and that, that color was made out of actually little seashells. And, and you got different uh, colors but purple was made by putting two or three or four of these colors together. And, and it took one, one seashell would make one drop of purple. <laughs> one. So here's, yeah, I got all these seashells. This all happened in Thyatira. They made up this, uh, this dye, this purple dye. It took so much. It was so expensive. But Lydia was there selling this. Uh, if you remember, the cloak that they put around Jesus was a purple cloak. Oh, so you say you're a king. They put a crown of thorns, wrapped him uh, in a purple cloak to show that he's a, the, he's a royalty or whatever. They were actually mocking him. That's what they were doing. But this is what happened with Lydia. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of the same hour. So here's what happened. Paul and his companions uh, went back, stayed with Lydia. 
They didn't have to work or anything because they had they they were Lydia. They could go out and preach the gospel. They went out preaching the gospel. And this is one a woman there that had a demon. Paul finally just got enough of the demon. He walked up to her. Demon just come out of her. Well, the demon did. But the problem is, y'all know the story. I hope that, that Paul got in trouble because that's how his there's another man owned that demon woman, and that's how he made money. Man, he made a living. So he got so upset with the believers going around casting out demons. It wasn't just one, it was more that had not even been written. So they were going around casting out demons and giving the gospel until everybody said, hey, you're hurting our business. They had Paul and Silas thrown in jail. That's what happened in between those two verses. And they came out of prison and went back to stay with Lydia. Again, after they did that. Now, if you want to know what the activity of, of today's church is to look like is I'll tell you we're going too far the day that half of us are in jail for casting demons out of Alexander County. Then you'll know, okay, we're maybe, are we taking it too far? Are we in over our head or are we just doing the everyday gospel? Who knows? I'm just saying this is what happened with Paul. Now we're thought, talking about Thyatira. With this in mind, I invite you to come back next week. <laughs> so let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this day. We do ask and pray, oh God, that your Holy Spirit would be with us today. I pray, oh God, that we would have an encounter with your Holy Spirit. Today, we understand, Lord, that this is a personal encounter. I can't get it from somebody else. I got to get my own. So Lord, I ask and pray that we would all repent we would all humble ourselves and pray, oh God, give us a greater revelation of who you are, of your spirit. That the name of Jesus might be glorified. I pray, oh God, that if there are any demons that come into this meeting, uh, that they would be cast out in the name of Jesus. It's not because we're mad at them, it's just because we want the people free. We want the people free of all demonic activity. Let it be done this day, oh God's our prayer. And we're going to worship you till the roof comes down, till the house comes down. We want to worship you, oh God, in such a way that your revival spirit is here with us also. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.